0: and welcome to a surprise episode of The Airing of Grief. During the season, we had a very interesting call Derek took that we couldn't ultimately use, and we're going to get to that call in a bit. But the main reason behind our releasing this surprise episode is that it's really more of a way for us to enlist you in helping us. We are deep into preparing Season 2. The first episode of that drops April 1st, which, ironically, is both Easter Sunday and April Fool's Day. Before that, though... We need your help first a little explanation this podcast started with just a spark derek was surprised by the sort of responses he was seeing to his new album and that lit a fuse and led to him pulling each of us in to help facilitate the recording and curating and airing of stories of spiritual d and reconstruction but it quickly became so much more so much broader and wider and more important than one man and his music And bigger even than just our small team. We were all surprised by how much bigger it was, as it became the embodiment of stories of everyone who responded, who called in, or who wrote to us, and all of you who listen each week. And if you have been listening to the podcast, you probably know my voice by now. My name is Kevin, and I'm one of the producers of The Airing of Grief. As for a little background, I was raised in the evangelical, non denominational Bible church fold. I was ordained in 2005, a lot happened, and I'm now a former college pastor, married to my junior high sweetheart, and expecting our first baby mid-April. I am 36, I'm straight, I'm white, and I am extremely well-represented on this podcast. Too well-represented. You see, my experiences, in a lot of ways typical of what we've come to expect on the podcast. My voice echoes in the voices of so many of those we've featured, and the producers of The Airing of Grief have decided that, moving forward, this is going to change, that it must change. We began with the hope of giving voice to people who had lost their place, providing a space for people to feel and to know that they are not alone. But the process of doing that made us sensitive to a very sobering reality that there are many who have never really had a voice at all. We followed our original coordinates through season one, opening up space and letting it tell us what it was. And season one came to us and people shared incredible things and it was all good. But now we realize that if not for some immediate tension and disruption, Even this podcast could become the very thing that drove many of us from our churches in the first place. A conversation dominated by white men and void of marginalized and intersectional voices. That's an ethic we don't want to carry out of the church with us. But it's what happens if we aren't deliberate in how we cultivate what we're doing here. Some of you have been brave and loving enough to bring this up to us. Even Jamie, one of our own producers, had to sorrowfully communicate to us that she was frustrated, that she could no longer see herself in the stories by the end of the season. How quickly and easily even good and well-intentioned things can drift towards inequity and even oppression. Inclusion is something we actually have to strive for. It doesn't just happen to us by default, but it's essential. And we all benefit from greater diversity, from more people who are able to see themselves reflected in this podcast as easily as someone like me can. And that's why for season two and beyond, we are making it part of our mission to elevate and amplify those voices in this conversation. Women's voices, people of color, the LGBTQ plus community, intersectional voices. Season 1 was about you calling us. Season 2 will be about us calling you. It has to be something we take responsibility for and chase down. So we aren't just saying the table is open, we're actively going out to tell people we want to hear from them. People who might not automatically feel included, or might not automatically know there's a place for them to share. That it's safe, and that people want to hear from them, and know them, celebrate them, even be changed by them. When we get into Season 2 itself, I'm going to actually break down some of the data and what we've seen in our correspondence so far. I spent a lot of my time in curating Season 1, observing these trends, and really just being amazed at the numbers, the disparities, and who was represented or not. It's pretty staggering when you consider that If we're not careful and intentional going forward, this could just be church all over again. So we are reckoning with that and we need your help. The podcast still carries the same basic premise, but we're taking a more active role in chasing down our content. And that is to ensure that we have a broader chorus of voices. We're doing what we can about that. And we're also asking you to help. So if you could, Please think about people, you know, who've been through a lot with God or church or whatever else and whose experience and perspective is lacking out there in the public conversation and here in this podcast. We want to hear from them. We want their stories, their grief and what they've found on the other side. Please share this episode with them and direct them to the So they can see the options for how they might share their story with us and one last thing if you are like us well represented on these issues and in our first season please stay with us please continue congregating with us each week to hear all of these voices our aim is not to alienate or leave anyone behind but what we're trying to do is to gather and unify around a common vulnerability grief and ultimately hope. So that's what's happening as we prepare season two, and that's why we're asking for your help. We're really excited about what's to come. And now we're going to get into a call Derek took that went way too long to be featured as one of the segments during season one. It's interesting because a lot of people have asked us whether we had any calls like this one, calls that took on these topics, or any callers who asked these sorts of questions. And really, it was pretty much just this call. And this call is one that I affectionately started referring to as The Reckoning. So we thought we'd feature it here along with our special message, and let everyone know that we still have a lot of great discussions like this, and we're still releasing one of these every week via Patreon to our patrons, along with all the other stuff. So that's it from me. This is totally raw, we're not going to be breaking it up with any music or lyrical segments or anything like that. but enjoy
1: hello hey hey derek how's it going
2: hey man how are you doing
1: i'm good hey thank you so much for calling
2: oh yeah no i really appreciate you taking a few minutes to chat yeah you as well um so we have 10 minutes tell me everything Oh <laughs> uh, well first off Sean. So on- Give you a couple things
1: like one. I, I think it's really cool the way that you're doing this, interacting with fans mm-hmm. in a way that I mean, I don't know any other artist that is willing to talk about this stuff. You kind of put yourself out there the way that you are. So, oh, man, I appreciate that hugely. Thank um, you. And I guess, you know, something that I've noticed on the podcast is people kind of talk about their relationship, you know, air quotes with you as far as with your, with your music. Um, so I, yeah. I thought you know, I can share that with you a little bit that I thought was kind of interesting. Um, back in high Please. school, yeah. When you, when you guys put out the, the Cayman records, you know, I was, I was into that stuff, but it really wasn't until the, I guess it was the one with, with your hand on the hat. I think that was the self-titled one. Yep. Um, that man, that really, a lot of those songs really made an impact on me in my life and in my faith. And, uh, I think center Isle was on that, that record. Yes. I play that song to death um like love 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 that song and uh in the heart behind that in the way that you you know sang that and and that just made such that song made such a connection with me uh in the honesty and like the uh way that you approach that the 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 topic the whole thing in a way that I hadn't wasn't seen any other you know christian bands do uh so that made a huge impact on me and then, you know, have loved your, your songwriting and, and your vocals for years. Uh, and so, yes, some of your work with with and, and some of those other bands at the time, Jars of Clay, DC Talk, really made a, a difference in my in my spiritual life because um, I felt challenged by it. And I'm just such a, a music fan um, that I got into songwriting. And uh, those are really the songs that pushed me to want to write songs like that. Um, so went on to get in a band, uh, called Addison road and we ended up being on the same label as you years yes, later. Right. that's, you know, we were a tiny pop band, but,
2: um, no, no, no. I, I was totally aware of you guys, man. I mean, it was very, very cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's interesting, um, following, following you, you've been doing it, you know, we, we did it for a couple of years and everybody's doing different stuff now, but, um, following your path and, and the albums you've, you've put out and, uh, I've appreciated the, um, artistry that you've approached, what you do, um, with which you've, you have done what you do. I hope you say um, yeah. and so my, my question kind of coming to you from, I don't, know, I don't know if it's a different angle or not, but like as the, I was the primary songwriter in our band mm. and really what I felt was a, a huge responsibility in what I was saying to people and knowing that when I'm thinking up in my room is something that might end up on a, on an album, that might end up on the radio, that, and I know that's a different a, a different world um, sure. than these songs. But like, I just I felt a burden of responsibility for what I was saying, sure. and I, I love what you do. I, I respect what you do. I think you are at, like I think you call yourself an agitator, which I think is needed, and I, I don't see anybody else doing it like you are doing it. Sure. But I wonder if you could speak to the what I see with the, with the fingers crossed as. It felt uh, as a fan. It felt like a little bit disregard of. Gosh, what what is what, what is my responsibility to these people who I've kind of pastored in a way, even if you don't want to call it that. Sure. Uh, with a series of of thoughts and beliefs, you know, these people who have followed you for a long time. What is your responsibility um, to them in in the message that you communicate and? And all that—if you could speak
2: to that at all—sure. No, I really appreciate that. I, I appreciate the way you're framing it, and um, yeah, and I and I think that's fair. You know, I mean, I because whether you intend it or not, whether one intends it or not, that 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 is that does feel like what's happening to a large extent um, in terms of the the role that you that that uh, that a songwriter or an artist can wind up kind of playing for for people. And um, you know, in terms of the way that you provide language for people, you you, you provide shorthand for people to express things, and, and that they wound that they wind up adopting, and and it can have an effect on what people actually believe about things, and, and, and I and I certainly acknowledge that, and I and I mean, there's so I mean, my instincts are a few, and one is that even during the time of my career. During which I would I would I would which is the majority of the time that I would say I was professing faith, um, it's obviously the majority of the last twenty years. Mm. Um, even during those times and even during the times where I felt the most intentionally I remember having moments, I remember um, I remember there being a moment after a show. I mean've I've always been, I was always the guy in Cademan's who was like, "Oh man, we got to play like in another church. Why can't we just play in neutral venues? Why can't we just play in a college? Why can't you know?" I was mm-hmm. always the guy who wanted to do it in a neutral way and and wanted it to be about the music and and and, um, and not be uh, not ha- have a way by which we were coming at it that was limiting what we could say and where we could say it and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that's always been my instinct. But that said, I remember there being a. Um, more than a few times over my career, where, because um, I've always been a talker, I'm a loudmouth and so I'll, where I'd be playing a show, and I guess I have that house show, that little in between record that I put out between my first and second records, or second and third records, or something. A lot of which is me talking, just talking about giving introductions to songs and and spending a lot of time talking about what I believed and 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 um, and I remember more than a few times after shows that I would play um, where I would have inadvertently done that and talked a lot about the songs and what they meant to me or really more so like kind of sermonizing. Um, Mm -hmm. And I remember even though that wasn't my intention for why I I was there necessarily, it would just happen. It was just this organic thing that would happen. It's how I'm wired and it was a very natural thing and I just kind of went with it. And I remember, like for instance, like texting my ex-wife and or other friends and saying, "Man, like remind me later how much I love and feel as though I'm made to do this and wired to do this." And Mm. like like preaching almost. Like, Mm. and there was even a time in my life where I was like, "Should I go back to and get like educated?" I mean, I barely got out of high school. I certainly didn't even think about going to college. But I was like, "Should I go back and try to get educated and maybe even try and?" is this part of my future? Like, should I intentionally do this and ju- and just do this and like preach? Like, should I like work at a church or, because the thing is like, I'm not good at much. I'm hardly good at anything. And so over the years of my life, when I would notice, take, take notice of something I felt as though I was good at, or that it was having an impact on people, I try to pay attention to that. And I would try to, try to focus more of my time on doing it because there's so few things i'm good at so it's like i want to spend all my time focused on the few things i can do and that i'm and i started to notice that as maybe one of those things and i wasn't sure and and um so i certainly would own that for me it wasn't something that i was doing unknowingly it wasn't something that i wasn't aware of i was very aware of it and and even wanting to in moments where i would go back to that "Ah, i just want to play music and i just want it to be about the music which i certainly Always did and do that. I would like literally ask people to remind me how meaningful it was to me and how alive I felt when I was doing it, and how I really felt like, man, like there's something to this more than just um, you know it being a a random casual thing. But but having and so I own all that. But having said all that, I also feel really strongly about the idea that being a professional musician. Whether I feel a strong calling, let's say, um, which is just talent meets opportunity, you know, meets confirmation, maybe um, uh, uh, about doing some of that and kind of taking that mantle and 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 taking a more intentional position of um, in terms of teaching or preaching or something like that, that. It would not be safe really for either me or people who were listening to me to treat um, my music career as a vocational ministry type position, which I never did. And I don't think that, I think that musicians can treat it that way. I don't think that's necessarily what it is. I think that there are people wired and gifted to be vocational like ministers, like with and to do with their, their, their religious faith. And you can do that and you can treat any job that mm-hmm. way. I right. feel like my job as a musician that was mm-hmm. never, ever, even in, and I brought all that up only to say, even in those moments where I felt the most connected to it, the most intentional about it, whatever, even in those moments, it never to me felt like, um, mm-hmm. ministry. I was never doing, I was never doing ministry. That's never what it was. I was always very focused. It comes down to like, what is the criteria on which I make choices about what I'm doing? Do I decide, do I make decisions about what's the best ministry opportunity or what's the coolest venue to play where the music's going to sound good and things like that. But it's, it's, it's about intention. And for me, I never, ever considered, even when what I did looked a lot like ministry, it was never ministry to me. I, I, it was, or at least that was secondary. It was accidental. It was, and I think that's always the case. The best ministry, so to speak, is the stuff you're doing on your way to ministry, and um, you know, it, it's the uh, it's can often be the unintentional, accidental stuff that's the best stuff because um, mm-hmm. you're not manhandling it. But right. but so to me, I would and I w- and I always try to be really clear about that. That like, what I, I am not a professional vocational minister. I'm totally. a guy. I'm a guy who believes certain things. I'm a very expressive type person. I'm a really I'm a I'm a talker. I'm a loudmouth. And so it's going to be part of what I do in my music career to talk about it, and that's going to be part of it. Um, but but that's not really the intention. That's not. I don't. I don't. It's like my brother, who is a doctor in Lincoln, Nebraska. He's a family practice doctor, and he's uh you know he's a he's a he's a believer. He's a he has a, a Christian faith that's really important to him. Now that's now. Now what he's not though is a vocational minister. He's a professional healthcare provider. He goes to work every day not to do ministry, but to take excellent care of people. Um, and if if ministry happens as a as a secondary, you know, result, then he, I'm sure, would love that and that would t- and he would take advantage of that and want to be ready to care for people in that way. But that's not why he goes to work every day. He goes mm-hmm. to work every day to provide excellent healthcare. And in the same way, I didn't show up to work every day to minister to people. Um, I did it to 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 write and play songs and to perform them well if I could. That that was my job. That was my intention. So, so can I interrupt you? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I t- absolutely get what you're saying. My counter to that is, like, just because you didn't feel it doesn't mean it wasn't being received that way. So like, sure. Say I don't want to be a dad anymore. <clears throat> I still have three kids out there whether I want to acknowledge them or not. Yeah,
2: that's true. Um, But you made choices to be a dad. Like you did. There was a point at which you said, I'm going to be a dad. I'm going to like procreate with a woman and we're going to have offspring. And now I'm a dad. And that's like, not a thing you get to choose once you've made those choices. I never chose to be a a minister to minister to people or to teach in that way. And do do you know what I mean? And so, uh, so for me, it's like, it was never a thing I agreed to. and, and, that to be fair, if, cause you're right, if people feel it that way or see it that way, or even treat it that way and treat the relationship that way, that's also a thing that's kind of out of my, no, it's not kind of, it's completely out of my control. And it's not a thing I bear any responsibility. And I, I can't help help anyone sees me or the work that I do. And I can't really take any responsibility in that. It's like if somebody, Now, I mean, I'll make an extreme point. I'll, I'll, I'll make the point extreme, you know, in order for it to be clear, but it's like, That'd be like saying if if someone decided that um, we were supposed that God told them that we were supposed to get married, and oh. and it's like, well, but this is how I see you, and this is how I see the situation, and it's like, yeah, that's totally out of my control, not a thing that I can really, um, like, you can see it however you want, but that doesn't make it reality, and it yep. also doesn't give me any responsibility in it. Um, and but I'm think- not trying to be cavalier about it, but I'm just saying there's a real sense in which. I need to follow my own creative instinct and can't be too influenced by how people receive it. I just need to go on trusting in the way that I'm doing it. Does that make sense?
1: I get what you're saying. And I especially appreciate the part of, you know, God told me to marry you or something like that, which is ridiculous. Well, you know, Um, because
2: it's like, that's like, uh, you know, a a scaled down version is God's been teaching me about who he is and how to interpret his word by way of your songs and your music. And what are you doing? You're, 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 you owe me this. You're responsible to me. And it's like, well, no, that's kind of on you. Like, I don't, I, I, it, I, I appreciate, I'm not trying to be ungrateful. I, I appreciate the resonance. I appreciate the attention. I appreciate that it's meant so much, but that's kind of on your end. I mean, that's not a thing I ever set out to do or intended to do. And and um, if it has hit you that way, I couldn't be more grateful. That means we probably have a lot in common, but that doesn't mean that I owe you or that I'm responsible in any way to continue doing something I never intended to do in the first place. Um,
1: Well, absolutely. You don't have, I don't think you have a responsibility to any of those people, but I would say, you know, looking at your background of of work that you have put out, that you've positioned yourself as a thought leader in the religious um, realm, however you want to phrase it. So like, I'm not, I'm, I love Kanye West. We've talked on Twitter about Kanye. Yes. (laughs) I I love him, but I'm not going to give you know two seconds to what his theological beliefs are or when he puts out an album i'm i mean i'm gonna listen to it for for what it is but yeah. chances are slim i'm gonna be um that i'm gonna change any of my internal behavior uh because i like a Kanye record yep. whereas I have close friends who are grapp- you know who are wrestling with their faith who have questions serious questions about their faith and they're pointing back to your new record or the podcast and in those instances i feel like I'm a little aggravated. Like, man, I yeah. wish wish that they were being led better, even though I, I get what you're saying. You're not trying to lead. No, but I'm my not. Voice, in a way, I feel like you're, you're validating uh, a position that, you know, I get it. I get it. You're, you're being an artist.
2: Yes. You're
1: all, but you're also promoting it. You're selling yes, it. Yes, I am. That's right.
2: Well, so, so uh, like, yeah. And so here's what I would say. if If you wish for them to have a better leader – in terms of what you believe and you might wish for them to believe that maybe they don't, I would say there's an opportunity for you to be that leader. Sure. But I would also say that for you to say that I'm validating you know, and promoting um, you know, and maybe providing them some comfort in their disbelief and that's aggravating, I would say that that's actually exactly what I'm doing, but that's mm. exactly what I've always done. And right. there was a time in my career where I, I guess I did that for you and have done that for, for some other people. The difference is that I'm now providing soundtrack and voice and comfort around something that you no longer agree with and which is why you would bristle at it and that makes sense. Right. But now I'm hoping to I've only ever hoped to provide soundtrack for people who resonated with my story. Mm-hmm. And for people who don't, yeah, it probably would be frustrating, but for people who do, it may be the only sanity in the world they can find. It may be the only safe place they feel like they can go and feel as though they're not totally isolated and alone and i and i guess the only defense i would have is the same instincts the same ethic by which i wrote any other song i've ever written that provided any comfort to anyone who now disagrees with me is exactly the same process by which i wrote all these i'm i didn't change anything um the things that changed were the external things but internally i'm still approaching all this exactly the same way and I'm not, and I'm, and what I would never ever do, and I hope it doesn't come off as though I've done, is like evangelize my disbelief. I, I don't have a home. I have no place to take anyone. I'm not trying to um, steal anyone away from any particular set of beliefs. I, I, I just want um, people who have those doubts and don't find a safe place to have one in order to be able to work through and process it, to, to get out of. A uh, a place of emergency or trauma in order to make reasoned decisions and decide what they believe. What they wind up believing is 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 going to be up to them. Sure. Ultimately, all I can do is tell my story, and that's right. what the, that's what this record is. It's my it's my story, and if people are resonant with it and find comfort or camaraderie in it, well, I couldn't be more grateful. But just like before, that's the secondary reason why I'm doing it. Does that make right. sense? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, I appreciate you being honest about that. Um, but I also would push back that even if you're not trying to evangelize your position by putting out something uh, that is, you know, music with feelings sure. that consumed that people will take it as such. You yeah, know, which is it's yep. out of your control, like you said. But it is uh, out of my
2: control. So either I do it and run that risk, or I don't do it. Because the thing is, like you mentioned, you know, kind of flippantly that you wouldn't do that with a Kanye record. But here's the thing: a lot of people do. Sure, that's. true. I mean, like, like the it, and. Anytime anyone says anything that they believe to be true out loud, publicly, in any way, you are, in a sense, advertising for it. You're commending it. You're evangelizing it. As you said, I mean, I'm not—in the way that people evangelize, you know, quote, evangelize Christian belief, I am in not the same way trying to proselytize disbelief. I don't want anyone to stop believing what they believe. I just want everyone to believe what they do believe. And if what they do believe is not Christianity, I want them to feel that that's okay. Um, uh, it's more about a being honest and reckoning with yourself. But like what you're saying, it seems is that it that it's maybe not right for me to say anything out loud for fear of someone might believe it if it does not align with maybe what you believe. And um.
1: Yeah, I get that. I'm not I'm not trying to say that. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and I
2: I don't think you do. I just th- I'm just right. saying that's that's how it like you're not, you're not leaving me with any other way out, but to okay. draw the conclusion that maybe I should not make records anymore because whatever I say people are going to believe and that's such a risk to run that what if But on the other side, I'm like, yeah, but what if there are people what if I I think I'm probably wrong, but what if I'm right? Yeah. And what if people really do need a safe place to gather and a place to uh, and some soundtrack to emotionally accompany them through some really desperate, hard times in their lives. And that's yeah. what I would hope to do. You know, do you know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. I'm, I, t- I totally get that. And I understand that the way I'm framing it is is that there's not a win for you.
2: <laughs> uh, <so laughs> or, 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 for, or really for anybody, because it's like anyone, anything anyone says that's not in sync with the way you see the world is a potential threat because anyone who listens to it and deeply connects with it it's going to be an off-ramp for them, and
1: well, I also think there's different types of artistry, like mm-hmm. uh, like a, a Father John Misty, or who's hitting on some spiritual topics. Yep. Or yep. like I would argue, you, I, I viewed that work differently than like Arcade Fire, even though they're both you're both communicating feelings and truth and right, what that's you right. think about the world. When one is speaking into religious themes and and things that people believe or can affect deeper parts of them. I don't know. I feel I feel like it's a different responsibility in my mind. Like you said, that could just be yeah. how I uh, I don't
2: know. feel it's a different I, 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 I respect that. Um I don't personally feel I don't feel it's a different responsibility on the artist part. I think the artist job is to look at the world and describe it and that's it. That's your responsibility. How people see it, how they interact with it, what it means to people is all completely out of your control. Um like John Lennon was not responsible for all the people who followed him around believing he was the Messiah He was, he was, but, but, but they did, you know, and there's documentaries that show people showing up, you know, homeless kids showing up to his house, believing that he was speaking to them specifically in the music. And it seemed crazy, but, and, but it's, but that's well beyond his responsibility. And, and I believe it's beyond mine. All I can do is look at the world and describe it for you, how you feel about it or what anyone takes from it is really their responsibility. That's where my ownership of it ends. But I'm curious, like, so your friends who listen to Father John Misty, are you just concerned about what that's going to oh,
1: do? I no, I love Father John Misty. I'm a huge fan. I mean, yes, I so don't you're, have, so I don't, you're
2: not concerned about Father John Misty being a gateway drug to disbelief for people.
1: So when I say that, I mean more like when I'm listening to Father John Misty or someone who's speaking into religious themes, yeah, I'm listening I'm cued into that as like, okay, i I'm, I'm I'm aware that they're talking about things that I may or may not agree with. So I kind of need to have my filter on what, how, how deeply I let this resonate with. Yes,
2: that's smart. It's good. It's good discernment. That's called discernment. That's good.
1: Yeah. And so, like you brought brought up John Lennon, who was what I thought of. You know, when when I was comparing, like in my mind, your your path and his. Like um, he put out. You know, he was obviously with the Beatles when he when they broke up. He put out the Plastic Ono Band record which to me is one of the best records he ever did. And it's, he was going through, you know, scream therapy. And he's got these raw, raw songs that I think probably pissed off a lot of people because it wasn't the consumable pop thing that they knew before.
2: Um, And it also had a lot of worldview, you know, meat on the, on it, you know, I mean, it was like a, it was, it was a very spiritual album and it would easily inform people's, View of the world and their their the grid through which they made sense of the world, which is what religion is. And
1: uh, and I would argue he had a responsibility in that way. And I would say he he just he used it in a way that wasn't great as far as for affecting people. I mean, I listen to the album today. I love it. And yeah. like I said, I'll listen to that stuff. It's with a sense of all right, do I agree with that? Do I not agree? Yeah, it's, I don't know. The I mean, at the I,
2: end know, of the day, it's it's art. Again, he's not setting himself up saying he's a a preacher or evangelist or a or a a thought leader, as you said earlier, like those are terms that, that people put on people that most people don't like, I would never call myself any of those things. And if someone sees me that way, then that's, that's okay. I guess, I mean, I, I would, I might debate with it, but that's cool with me. But I personally, and I, and I, again, I, I respect that you do see it that way, but I don't see John Lennon in that moment having any responsibility, um, any more than I feel as though I do. Beyond looking at the world, and describing it, and doing it as vulnerably as possible, I don't really see how I have any responsibility beyond that to how anyone receives it. I, I, I and um, but that's because I don't see it. If I thought of my work as vocational ministry, even a minister of disbelief in this case, um, mm-hmm. or John Lennon as a minister of whatever intense uh, humanistic therapy he was going through, which I think is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, then yes, if, if if I claim that, then I'm going to be held responsible for, for what I have said that I'm doing. But if if that's not part of my intention, and that's just something that people read on it, just the same as someone might read on me that I'm supposed to, that God told me that I'm supposed to be their husband, I'm afraid that's kind of out of my realm of responsibility. Um, I'm happy to talk to people about it, maybe talk them out of it, but um I, I think that's the point at which people need to take responsibility for how they see things and they need to t- take responsibility uh for you know like maybe like you said like I, I don't think artists are great uh are great ministers i don't think i even the ones who are doing it intentionally i don't because they're not being held to any standard they're not they're, no one's holding them responsible for anything other than record sales is really the only thing they're ultimately responsible to right. um and so it's like I don't think that's a great position to put artists in, and I think that we do that in the West a lot. But I don't think okay. it's the artist's fault, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the marketing machine has run with them, and they're a product to be consumed at some yeah. point. Yeah, right?
2: because that's not why I do it. And if somebody sees it that way, that's okay, because I can't help that. And I yep. can't, I can't dwell on things that I can really um, exercise any. Like I, I can't possibly. Any responsibility because I can't possibly in any way affect things that are so out of my control, like the way that people see me or receive what I've made. Um, But 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 it's interesting to talk about, yeah,
1: yeah. And like to the but but on the flip side, like to the kid example, if you were at your house and you were you know uh, doing some activity that you would tell your kids not to do, but they see you doing it, they're going to want to do it at some point based on. I don't know. That's that's I don't
2: I don't get what the parallel is there though. Well so it's like like am I telling people not to leave the faith but I'm making an album about the fact that I have left it and I'm so I'm saying here's me doing it but don't do it
1: no you're not saying not to do it I mean you're not I'm sorry you're not saying to do it
2: because um, I, 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 I resonate with your example of saying like it's mixed messages to say uh, do as I say but not as I do but I don't see where I'm doing that
1: do as I say, but not as I do.
2: Which was the thing you just said. Tell your kids don't do this behavior, but then they're gonna see me doing that behavior. And so that's confusing for them.
1: And you're saying you're not telling anybody not to do it. I I get I get what you're saying. Yeah, I'm
2: just trying to say for you to bring that example up, I'm just trying to figure out what you meant. Like what's the parallel? That's right. that's analogous to what? Like where am I doing that?
1: Well, the I mean, the way that, that I see it is, is is I guess just in in going down this road, which I think is I think is great to go down any roads that are going to question your faith that are right. going to challenge
0: you. But which again, was
2: not an intention of mine. It was me telling my story. This is just my experience. It's an emotional, desperate emotional disclosure. It's not, really? this is not a me setting out a way by which to leave the faith. This is me saying, this is what I've been through in the last five years. It's, it's, it's been wrenching and terrible and it's a cautionary tale and all I can do is tell it to you. So it's not like a, here's an instruction manual on disbelief.
1: Yes, but it but it could read like that,
2: right? And if it does to somebody, then that they need to take responsibility for the fact that it's hitting that way. But I can't in any way affect or take responsibility for how it hits anybody. I can't. I can't possibly.
1: No, you can't. It's
2: so totally out of my control.
1: Yep. But what I'm saying is, I do think there's a responsibility, even if it's out of your control, that people who hear you have a background with you or listening to you in a certain way, like you said, that's out of your control. I'm just telling you how it how it hit me when when I no started. no that,
2: and that's fair and so and so so you're saying that you think I sh- I do have a responsibility and so to do what and what what's my what it, how do I take the responsibility what do I do
1: I mean in my in, in my opinion the re- the responsibility is just being aware that people are taking your words and your music yes deeply to heart
2: yeah no and, and I and I said before that I've always been aware and I am extremely sure. aware of that and if anything I hope that that's happening because from a lot of people I've talked to, it's provided them, you know, some, some comfort where they can find none. And so I hope they are, and I think they are doing that. And I'm, I hope you hope that's exactly what, what's happening when you're making records. You hope people do find it resonant and you hope that people find it comforting and you hope that you're providing soundtrack for people. So I'm definitely, so if the responsibility that you hope that I take is my being aware that that's happening, then I would say that I am doing that. And, and that's exactly what all of this is really all about. It's my wanting to even go further to hear those stories, right. and to be able to actually have conversations with people about where they're finding resonance or not. And so, I think this is me. This is me taking responsibility. If that's what you mean by responsibility. Yeah, um, that is
1: that is what I and I and I just mean I, in my. So my original question was, yeah, are are you? Are you aware of that fact that people see you in that way? And are you?
2: Oh aware yeah, I don't think I would be doing any of this if I wasn't. Because w- if I if I wasn't aware of it, then why would I be? Why would I think anyone would want to have phone calls and talk about any of it? So I I, I definitely am aware of it. Um, and it's and it's and if and if that wasn't happening, if there wasn't that resonance, then it would speak to the quality of my work and it would speak to the the quality of my own vulnerability. That if. It it wouldn't, it would basically not be there. I mean, like if I'm not being vulnerable with my own story, um, then I'm removing all the possibility for there to be that resonance. And I, and I want it to be there. I hope that people find themselves in my songs, and in my story. I just think that it's hard when someone does at one time and then suddenly doesn't. And, and, and so maybe this is a moment for me and the people who have felt disenfranchised and isolated in their doubts and disbelief and it's kind of not a moment right this minute for the people who felt resonance the other way. And, yeah. uh, and, and that's okay, you know, and cause there are seasons to things like that. And, and it might all come back around. I mean, it, cause as long as I'm still trying to be vulnerable and honest with my story, I might come around in a few years and write a record. That's that that feels really strange compared to this one, just the way that my old ones could feel, you know, the other direction. So, um, yeah. So again, but all that's going to be around corners I can't see right now, and yep. um, uh, and all I can do is look at the world, describe it for you, and and yeah, that, that that's it. I mean, I I just really feel like that's that's where I stop, and everyone else starts. Mm. Got it. Interesting. You know.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. I think that.
2: it's I think that's the way it has to be, or else I would walk around bearing the responsibility for all that and all those people constantly, and that's what could I do like i mean if i just walk around feeling that constantly there's nothing i can do about it because like i can't even know how it affects anybody let alone could i affect how it affects them or what could i do talk them out of it making them feel that way or i mean yeah. and, le- and, so, and that, which is why that winds up having to be a vocational a local regional vocational ministry type role which is not how i've ever felt about my work because that's the only way you can manage it Mm. Being in literal relationship, which is why I don't think churches over a few hundred people make any sense because it takes Mm. the person who is taking that responsibility out of a position to be able to really do it because they can't possibly be in a relationship with that many people or really know their stories well enough to know how to properly minister to them. Um, And that's why I feel like a ministry-type role, if you feel as though that's how you're wired, the only way you can really do it is locally – and it's a vocational thing, ministry. Um, right. If you're taking it seriously, but otherwise, well, how would I possibly do it? How would I enforce it? How would I practice it? I mean, I'm like a guy in Nashville. Most of the people who listen to my music, don't live, in, don't live here. I don't want to start a church around people who want to talk about my songs. Right. Um, short of that, I, I'm afraid I have to just leave it to everybody to sort out for themselves and go yep. to go to sources that are claiming to take responsibility and wanting to. Take responsibility and play a permanent role in people's lives to help them sort that out. That's not what I do. I tell mm-hmm. my own story publicly. If you resonate with it, come with me. And if you don't, um, find someone who does. Um, right. You know, and that and that's, you know, and so. But it's it's been worth having the conversation. I can't say much. I appreciate you being really honest about how you see it, um, and and um, and giving me at least the chance to. Kind of say how it feels from my angle because I, I I think it's fair for you to say and I respect you saying that you do hold artists maybe responsible to a higher standard. I just I don't hold artists responsible who I like in that way for how I feel about what they make. I don't I don't get mad at them for I'm not mad at you too for um you know uh, having provided language for me for so long and not really doing that anymore. I'm not mad at them about that because I know they have to chase their own muses. And, um, and that's okay with me, even though they did that for me for a long time. Um, so I don't hold them responsible, but I could see how easy it would be to do that. And, and I do acknowledge that some people do. And, uh, so I appreciate you being that voice. And, uh, so we've gone away. I've, I've kept yeah, you for way you. too long, but I, I Sorry. no, 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 no. I, I, uh, we both made a choice to stay on. <laughs> so
1: hey, appreciate it, man. Thank you for being honest and, and open and, I do hope you keep doing it and I'm gonna keep following. I'm gonna they I'm gonna remain a fan and I just appreciate your heart for what you're doing and one hundred percent to talk, man. And
2: and you and I are you and I have a lot more conversation in our future and I and I and I really appreciate your time today, man. Thanks, Derek. Okay, see ya.
1: Bye.